The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good morning, Chris. Uh, good, good morning, Mike. Welcome to the 74th Epoch of 2020, uh, that being November. Um, for those keeping track, um, for those not keeping track, uh, yesterday was Halloween. And in approximately eight or nine months, we will have thanks, uh, American Thanksgiving. Eight or nine months. Wow. OK. Uh, given the way this year has progressed, yes, that's that's about how long it will feel. My understanding is that there's going to be Thanksgiving. It's just you're not allowed to celebrate it with anybody. Uh, yeah, that'll work. <laughs> I, I mean, thinking of things to be thankful for, and, and and maybe it was more scary than I thought, but what's going on with this Bruins season? What's going on with this hockey season? The AHL has made an announcement. Uh, hey, where yep. to, I wouldn't even know where to start because it's just all up in the air, and it's been up in the air for, what, nine months now? Yeah. I mean, the AHL actually canceled the rest of their season back in April, I believe it was. Um, they, they've said uh, all along that they're not going to start the next season until after the NHL does, um, which creates a ridiculous amount of uncertainty there in the ECHL. Um, players who are in Europe who might be available to play in North America whether at the NHL or AHL level, uh, it rolls down to major junior. You know, there are overage guys in uh, all of the Canadian Hockey League uh, who might just uh, crack a spot uh, in the NHL or the AHL. But you can't plan for just goo. It's all goo. There's no hard points in... Uh, that anyone can, you know, sink uh, their cleats into or and grab a hold of something. Well, Batman has NHL-wise, Batman canceled the Winter Classic, and no announcement of when the season will actually start. I understand that, you know, that they're trying to make decisions based on current events. The AHL, however, has turned around and said that they're not starting until February. So, which I guess at least gives a date. Are they? They they actually gave a date. It's uh, in the articles I've read. It says February fifth. But if they're waiting for the NHL to start, uh, it it's kind of hard to give a date and then say you know. Okay, we're going to start on the 5th of February. What happens if the NHL pushes theirs back to mid-February? I don't think that's going to happen, but... <laughs> I, I would guess that that's just going to reset the time uh, reset the time clock. Um, it's, it's a little... I mean, there's no, there are literally no certainties going into next season. I, they've said they want to play an 82-game season. But are they really, really, really going to play an 82-game season if they start March 2nd? 
I mean, that gonna, an 82 game season games? starting March 2nd realistically means that the playoffs will end sometime in October. Wow. No. Because what six if they months, truncate the season, though? It, it, it was, it's been Bettman has stated the 82 game season as a need uh, of the league. Which financially and as far as their TV deals and stuff goes is probably very, very true. Yeah, he, I mean, they have to do something because uh, these contracts are, are predicated on, on advertising dollars and, and everything else. Yep. Uh, they've got to perform and, and to turn around and say, yeah, we're going to do it, but we're only going to do it in – 16 weeks instead of 24 weeks or whatever the case may be. Uh, that's not going to work for companies that are paying millions of dollars to advertise on game nights that aren't going to be held. Game nights that aren't going to be held or aren't going to be held in the seasons where they're, where advertising is going to do them the most good. I mean, you're not selling very many winter coats uh, July 4th weekend. You're not? Just a hunch, but I, I, I think no. I thought they and, started selling seasonal clothes the season before. Uh, true, but that would still still have you at fall. Oh, okay. Yeah. Good point. Uh, I, I, yeah, I don't know what to expect. Like I said, AHL made a nice little announcement. It's a good thing for it's a good thing for teams like Boston that have potential goaltending issues per se with Halak and Rask both in the final years of their contracts uh, getting the getting those younger goaltenders especially Vladar if you're looking at him to be the next the guy future. or Swayman who had himself a, a crazy good crazy good career at at Umaine mm-hmm. one of those two guys most likely is going to be in the future it, plans, if not both of them. Yeah, they're they're leading the charge for next Boston Bruins goaltender. But you need to get them some ice time, some playing time, game time, because you can't replicate game time in practice no matter how hard you try. So for them to actually have a date to shoot for is a good thing. Uh, other teams and having their issues going, having their their own issues going. I mean, it's it's a good thing that somebody knows what's going on, but how reliable is it? I guess is my question, and the answer to that is I would think not very much at the moment. Sure. <laughs> um, while we're talking uncertainty, yes, might as well start uh, in the local area. We've talked about all of the people they've got let get let get away. Oh, it, geez, yeah. Oh, ad nauseum. It looks like Zdeno Chara is going to be added to that number if he hasn't already. Is it fair to say that he's going to be added? I mean, is he the one that's holding? He, yes, he said he said from the beginning that it's going to depend on what the season looks like. And that's both, you know, organization and league. You know, if the league, if they're going to stick people in a bubble and try and do all the entire regular season in there, 
probably I, I no one could blame him for not returning. Uh, not I agree. Not at his age, not with his not with the kids at the age they are. Um it just no. Um but he's truly uh, a family man. You watch those video watch any videos of him with his kids and his wife. I mean, he is a family man. Yes, I, like I remember the uh the uh, 2011 cup rewatch he's got the two three kids with him the entire video and it's clear that everyone's there because they want to be there everyone was very comfortable natural it was just the way their family is yeah i just found it humorous that he ended up having to babysit while he was doing this video thing where was where was it where was his wife i'm trying to think of her name Tasha, it being Tatiana, Tatiana, yes, thank you. It was Uh, Tatiana. She was out with the girls for the night. You got the kids, but honey, no. (laughs) I mean, theoretically, they might have been able to uh, afford a babysitter if they needed to. I think between her career as a supermodel and you know the paltry earnings of an NHL um, Norris Trophy winning defenseman. They might have been able to scrape up, you know, 14 bucks an hour to have some kid come in uh, for three or four hours. But but it, but in all honesty, I think he'd rather spend the time with his children. That's just absolutely is. Uh, so, yeah, I can understand him putting it on hold and wanting to know what's going on. So it's not really fair to say that the Bruins haven't made any progress because. I didn't actually blame the Bruins for that. I will just call it uncertainty regarding the Bruins. As of right now, they have one left defenseman uh, with with any measurable NHL experience, and that's Matt Grizzlick. I love him. I think he's a really strong athlete. Can he I play don't think he's playing 60 minutes a game. Well, not 60, no. I Just a hunch, but I don't think he's playing 60 minutes a game. Unless that's, the Bruins... That's- that goes beyond double shifting. Holy cow. Yeah. Unless the Bruins have come up with some uh, odd scheme to play four forwards and a defenseman for most of the game um, and just trot out a defensive pair a couple of times a game. I think they're probably going to have to address that at some point. And weird yeah. idea, I know. But maybe just maybe they should have more than one NHL experienced defenseman on each side. I, now, you see, you're not being fair, or maybe you are, I don't know, because John Moore is a left defenseman. John Moore has <laughs> a part of, an, of a left defenseman in the NHL. When you get passed three or four times by people who have never played in the NHL on the depth chart, are you actually an NHL defenseman? I think no. Okay. Well, they did. Wait, wait. They did give Jakob Zaboro a two-year one-way contract to a guy who I know I'm still not sure about. In fact, I'm really unsure. He's a left defenseman. I am neutrally dubious about Jake Zaboro. But here's the thing. Jake Zaboro has played, what, less than 30 NHL games? Mm. I could give you the number. It, it, would, it, would, be, it would be less than it would be less than 30. 
Yeah. Significant, so, significantly less than 30. So still not a significant amount of time. Two. <laughs> he has a two-year one-way contract after two games in the NHL. Which, again, reinforces my point about John Moore. Or Don Sweeney. I haven't even gotten to Don Sweeney. Well, we uh, Erho Vakanainen's a left defenseman. Yes, yes, he is, uh, when he can be healthy. And Erho <laughs> Vakanainen certainly looked solid, although he's not going to replace the offense of... Uh, Wait. He's not of uh, Tory Krug. Wait but he's it. played... Seven seven NHL. games in the NHL. There you seven go. Games. So and got, in those seven games, he has zero points. Well, Zavoro has zero points in two games. Wait uh, for it. Okay, very so consistent. So our other left defenseman, being Matt Grizzlick, has mm, 197 games. So yeah, we're pretty much set on the left side. I don't know what your worry is. Uh, and don't worry, they have the undrafted Jack Ahan to spell them, so... I can. I can, sorry, uh, to spell them, so they should be golden. Um, you know what? The other 30 teams in the league should just forfeit uh, right now and award the Stanley Cup to the Bruins. I can. 5'8", mm. Jack I can. 5'8", 185. Which makes him basically the same size as uh, Grizzly, who I think they Boy. list as an inch or two taller. Four years at St. Cloud State. Mm. A very respectable hockey program. Yes, I have nothing against the hockey program. And this kid seems to be uh, in the 20s. He had one his junior season. He ended up getting 34 points, but he also played more game. No, he played 40 games as a, as a sophomore. I 20 to 20 to 35 points in a year for his college season, uh, for his college career. Yeah. I mean, he's but at, he has no, but that's the extent of his, his experience. Yeah. I mean, yes, he played in the USHL, but he's, I mean, going back, uh, it looks like he's only played in above high school playoffs once and that was for the cedar rapids uh rough riders the it, yes the usa uh under uh u19 u20 teams are definitely highly competitive uh just getting on to them but wait i got there's no it. experience there nick wolf Four we years both of- know that i Four years really, at Minnesota. Really like four years at Minnesota Duluth. Of Nick Wolf. Yes. Six five, two twenty something. Uh, this kid, ha- uh, the potential. I mean, I've watched a little video on this kid. He's got some goal scoring ability. Uh, in fact, he's playing currently in the Slovak Extra Liga, and in four games, he already has two goals. So. That's kind of great <laughs> um, because honestly, I'm just glad he's I, playing. I'm just <laughs> that he's playing and that he's playing against adults. Yes. Um, I mean, the Slovak Extra Liga isn't the Swedish Hockey League or the KHL or the AHL, but it's certainly 
more aggressive uh, and more against larger players than playing most college teams or most USHL or CHL teams. And as I said before, it, it's it's game experience, and you can't replicate it, you can't replicate that in any practice. So, so let's just assume that by the time the NHL season starts, mm-hmm. he's gotten into twelve extra league uh, games. Does that push him ahead of Jack Akan for <laughs> for a roster spot or first call up? Um, yes. I, I, I think it does. Um, I, yes, he's played against, he's played against adults in, in, in a league, uh, where there's some game speed. Like you said, it's not game speed that he might get over here. Uh, but yeah, I think it does that the, the, the experience alone gives him that extra, uh, Step up. Yeah. He's he's walked that gradient a little bit. Uh, Are any of the other guys playing? Is Erho playing anywhere right now? uh, Erho Vakaninen is not uh, playing anywhere that uh, Cap Friendly is aware of. Okay. But, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. They did draft Mason Lowry, and I am sure. Oh, Mason Lowry. The, the, the. The second round pick that no one had ever heard of. <laughs> yeah, we'll eventually stop. I mean, he's still not that. signed. So oh, st- oh, good. Well, then he falls into the same category as Jake DeBrusque. And there's the other bit of uncertainty cigar, uh, surrounding the Boston Bruins. What the heck is going on here? As we pointed out once or twice uh, towards the end of the playoff run when we were looking towards next season and the offseason, Jake DeBrusque was more productive in his first 212, 213 games than Tyler Sagan in the same period of time. That makes re-signing him, especially since he doesn't have the questionable off-ice behaviors, Mm -hmm. a no-brainer. I'm wondering if his dad wouldn't kick his rear end. Yeah. I mean, his his dad, that's what his dad did in the NHL. He was an enforcer. Oh, I, I think his grandmother would be aggressively disappointed at him, and that might be enough by itself. Well, there's that, too. Yeah. But Jakey doesn't strike me as the type that's going out and getting himself in trouble. Adventure. And yeah. I don't see it. Uh, but yeah, still unsigned, doesn't have, he's kind of painted into a corner a little bit because he doesn't have uh, arbitration rights. But the Bruins do this every, every time they have young players come up ready, uh, ready for a contract. Every time this happened with Tyler Sagan, it happened with Brad Marchand, mm-hmm. um, They've even dragged negotiations with David Krejci and Patrice Bergeron out. Uh, did it with Pasternak. Did it with Pasternak. <clears throat> they did it two years ago with Carlo and... And, and McAvoy. Same and year. McAvoy at the same time because nothing says we value our young players by letting it drag into training camp. 
see, we should have learned our lesson then as to how important defense is to the to the Bruins or to Don Sweeney. Why we have why we only have one left defenseman that's viable at this point in time. We didn't pick up on it then. We should have. Um, and the hilarious thing is that Don Sweeney was a defensive defenseman in the NHL. Yep. He wasn't popping in 12 to 18 goals a season. In fact, I think 18 goals is probably more than any three-season total I can think of off the uh, off the top of my head. He was. Did he not, did he not play alongside some guy named Ray? Uh, he did, in fact, play along some guy alongside some guy named Ray. Okay. What he, so then he then he should know the importance of of defense would be my point here. Uh, he, yes, having, having played the position, seen a guy like Ray who played the position, um, working uh, having working in the same franchise as a guy like Bobby, you'd know that defense is kind of important. And it wasn't just Ray that he got to play with. I mean, he played with some other pretty solid defensemen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Nick Boynton was a really solid guy for a few years here. He played with Hal Gill for a couple of years. Um, some people have a much higher uh, rating of Sean O'Donnell's skill set than I do. Um, <laughs> you know, you go back to earlier in his career. And you had Glenn Wesley on the team, uh, Stefan Quintel uh, for a short period. You had Gord Murphy uh, and a few others. It's not like he doesn't even – he actually even played alongside Bob Beers. Beers, he had a 15-year career. No, he had a 15-year career. Um, and he uh, scored a whopping 52 goals in those 1,052 games, 210 assists for a total of 262 points, uh, 663 penalty minutes. Wow, 12 of his 52 goals were game winners? 12 of them? That's a pretty solid percentage. That's 20% of his goals. <laughs> yeah. All right. Fair enough. His shooting percentage, not the greatest of 4.1%. <laughs> yeah. Um, probably not something he likes to dwell on. But yeah, I mean, you look at, and, and his career, and, and, and his career was not, you know, overly, uh, uh, bragged about as far as awards goes. I mean, he never made an all-star team. He was just a solid defenseman. All this just leads to the fact that he should know defenseman, and yet, knowing all of this, we're still without somebody other than... You could stop there. We're still still without. My question is, or another question is, do you start looking around and making trades for guys like Shane Gostisbeard? I mean, having missed out on OEL, which we discussed as I said, ad nauseum. But do you start looking at guys like Augustus Beer or or somebody that you can bring in? Do you sign a Mackenzie Wegar? Not that I, not that I like add, him, 
I think you have to add at least one NHL veteran to that left side who is not John Moore. Fair enough. I, injuries happen. Illnesses happen. There's the whole reason for the shutdown and the uncertainty. Um, there's family issues that arise. Yeah. So we need to add one more on the left side. Uh, is Jake a bigger concern than adding that defenseman, though? I think they're co-equal. The Bruins weren't scoring enough in the playoffs, and that needs to change. Um, if you could flip Jake for the right asset, there's still a couple of reasonable uh, guys out there who you can probably make look good if you if they if they mesh well with one of the top three centers. Not Patrick Liney. See, I am almost willing to take a risk on Patrick Line if it's a low end uh, turnaround, like a low end uh, cost of acquisition. Because I think that, for example, if you put him on the Bergeron line, the work ethic alone of Bergeron and Marchand is going to make it nearly anyone in the league better. Um, and I think just consistently playing with two other guys who are good at getting themselves open is going to get a guy as skilled as line a is a couple of extra goals and a couple of extra assists simply by being on the ice and knowing what to do with his stick. That makes him, Okay. I, again, I I wouldn't give up like two first round picks and Jake DeBrus to get him. No. Um, but if they ask for a couple of minor league prospects and they're going to retain some of the salary, I'm I'm more than kicking the tires, uh, which appears to be more than certain general managers have done in the past two years uh, when it comes to any you know potential impact players. Taylor Hall. Taylor Hall went to Buffalo for a one-year, $8 million deal. We couldn't have had him in Boston and given him a better chance at winning a cup than Buffalo? In one year. One year, yeah. Like, if, the, if Boston had offered, offered him three years at $5.5 million, he'd have been here in a heartbeat. In a heartbeat. But this so. is my. But this is the thing. I mean, okay, you missed out on on the hall. We and we we discussed all that. It just it's just frustrating as a as a Bruins fan to sit through this year after year and watch top tier talent that we may or may not have a go chance elsewhere. at go yeah. elsewhere. Okay, here's uh, well, since we're talking Patrick Line. His salary for next season is almost $7 million. If the Bruins can get that, can make a trade for them, him that doesn't involve giving up too much, too much talent up front or too much talent, period, 
you know, maybe it's maybe they have to give up, you know, Kuhlman and Sanchen and a second round pick, which I think is too much. But Kuhlman, yeah, no kidding. What are you talking about? Kuhlman, Sanchen, second round pick, and they get uh, Patrick Line back for five million for next season or just under five million. I could live with that. Okay. Especially, I just, I, if, I, especially streaking, if you can put him on the right side and have him produce. His streakiness is just concerning to me. Oh, absolutely. I mean, more which so than put the him with streakiness. I, which is why I wouldn't put him with David Krejci, uh, because as much as Krejci is one of the best passers in the league, he has the best disappearing act in the Eastern Conference. Oh, yeah. Hence the nickname Houdini. Oh, wait, that was mine. Second, I mean, second overall pick, 22 years old. The kid offensively gifted. It's just that it's not a consistent offense. It's, but you look at his numbers, his numbers aren't terrible. I mean. Oh, no, his numbers are good. (laughs) But the consistency is terrifying. Yes. But that said. Him and Paul Stasny are making about the same amount of money. Stasny is 12 years older, and he's had consistency and health issues. Which one of them would you actually prefer to add? We don't need a center, so... Yeah, I'd go with Line, just out of necessity, since he can play the right wing capable of playing the right wing. Yeah. So theoretically, <clears throat> I know that people like uh, like having Pasternak on the Bergeron line, but I would put Pasternak with DeBrusque and Krejci, put Line A up on <clears throat> the Bergeron and Marchand line, and then work on whatever works out around poor Charlie Coyle for the third line. Which, I mean... Poor Charlie Coyle, I say that, but he might end up with something, some combination of Anders Bjork and um, he could end up with Bjork and Richie. He could end up with um, Kashe and Smith. That wouldn't actually be a terrible third line. Okay. Although Cache and Smith are both theoretical right wings, uh, so I was, I was watching, and, and I know I mentioned it to you prior because I was excited about seeing Connor Clifton score and how much I love Clippy hockey. But in that same game, DeBrusque scored twice, scored the first goal, scored the fourth goal. Andre Kasha was a a force in that game. Not only did he, ha- not only was he all over the, he had two assists, both on both of DeBras goals. I mean, everybody wants to knock on Kasha because he hasn't scored any goals, and I get it. I'm there. I think he needs to score, but Andre Kasha is not as bad a player as people seem to think he is or have this impression of him. Yes, he's been somewhat absent due to injuries, and hopefully that'll get cleared up. But I don't think he's going to be, once the season gets going, once he starts gelling again with his teammate, I don't think he's going to be as bad of an acquisition as people 
seem to want to believe right now? I don't. I've said before, I don't think he's a horrible player. Yeah. But I also can't bring myself to write down 24 goals for the season for him and comfortably just take uh, check off that much offense. Uh, you know, 24 goals, 31 assists um, for the season and say, okay, we know what we're getting from him. And then do the same with whoever's going to be on that third line with, with coil and co- and company. So if I could find a reasonable upgrade, I would. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. A reasonable upgrade for Kasha, who's making two point six million. Hmm. If Line A could consistently produce and get to that thirty <laughs> goal mark or thirty or forty goal mark, which he's shown himself capable of, yes, he's a he's an upgrade. Oh no. Offensively, yes, he is an upgrade. My, uh, he's also other, a bit larger, uh, so you know you have the reach advantage. But I um, don't think. But he's not for somebody who's six five and two hundred and something pounds. Unless he decides to become a more physical player here in Boston, he doesn't necessarily have to be physical. He just has to use his reach, use his stride. He has to be willing to hit somebody. Boston fans are not going to accept him if he's not willing to get somewhat physical. I'm not saying he has to go out and be Milan Lucic, but he has to be somewhat physical. I think they'll give a 40-goal scorer a pass if he can if he can be reasonably consistent and hit 40 goals. Okay. If he can be reasonably consistent, you know we and we know we looked at his numbers a couple of, from a couple of years ago where he had what was it uh, twenty goals in like a two week period and then didn't score for a month a month and a half. That would be that's not, not reasonably useful. consistent. <laughs> Thank you. That's exactly what worries me though is you score. What was it? It was it eleven goals in three games. I think it, it was, was eleven ridiculous. goals. Eleven goals in three games. He had span. like two hat tricks and um, two hat tricks and might have been a four goal game or a five goal game. It was yeah, simply it was absurd. A, it was like eleven goals in three games and then nothing from like middle of November till the middle of January. It was awful and. I felt bad for the kid. I mean, because there were times where the, some of the highlights, he looked snake bit. The you know, puck just didn't have any puck luck. But oh yeah, and they were all over him in the media after like the second week without oh, scoring. Absolutely. I'm sure we talked about it on more than one occasion back then. That was what two years ago. I believe so. Yeah. So it, that's the concern that I have is that he has those stretches and it, that's not the only time it's happened. He's had other shorter stretches and it's just like, if you're going to pay the kid this kind of money, that's why if we were going to take him, yes, it would have to be Winnipeg would need to be eating some of that salary. There was another trade that you, or another interesting article that you found out about trading Oh, which one was that? Um, the the Blackhawks one. 
Oh, another Patrick. Another Patrick, yeah. I found this article fascinating simply <laughs> from the fact that someone, that a Chicago fan, uh, Chicago area writer, was unafraid to post about trading Patrick Kane. He doesn't like his job very much. Because, let's be honest, posting a trade for posting that Brad Marchand would be uh, not wouldn't be hard to trade in Boston right now. Probably not the best idea, even though there's people who have always hated Brad Marchand. um, There are people in Chicago who have always hated Patrick Kane. Um, I'm I was still a little bit surprised by this Vincent Parisi uh, article for the Windy City. Um, He talks uh, in the article posted three, four days ago. He talks about the Blackhawks heading towards their rebuild. Um, he talks about the fact that P.K. Subban, who was making north of $9 million, got traded a couple of years ago. Um, and Subban, not as healthy as Kane. Whatever, uh, whatever else you may like or dislike about both players, and they're both pretty... Uh, they're they're both very easy to find on the ice. Um, I I think that trading Patrick Kane now might be the best move that the Chicago Blackhawks could make for the future of the franchise. But okay, you're thinking about it the same way I would think about it, which is logically. Stan Bowman's looking at it from a standpoint of he likes his job. He likes fans in the seats. Except (laughs) there's probably not going to be fans in the seats for the first half of the season. Well, as I've seen in other, they might have, they might have an issue in, in goal come this upcoming season. They're still, they're going to have issues. This it's past time for them to rebuild. Yes. They missed the rebuild period. According to this article, this Kane article, it says that they actually sent out a letter to their fans that they are beginning to trend their roster in a younger direction, and the word rebuild was even used in the letter. Yep. But is it a true rebuild if you're still hanging on to – and I understand wanting to hang on to a Patrick. He's a fan favorite. What he's done for the team in the past, but at some point – you have to let it go, and if he's you're going to re- ballot Hall of Famer, yes, there's not many of those in the league. We'll, in fact, I think the two of us should do a segment where we talk about our first ballot Hall of Famers in the league right now, based on their career to date, not based on what we expect them to do. So, no, Connor McDavid will not be on that list. Uh, no, Leon Seidel <laughs> will not be on my list. But first ballot Hall of Famers, Seidel's going to be there. Um, I just I understand not wanting why you wouldn't want to do it and and who's this is Vincent Parise but Uh, I think it needs to be done and I think if you can get Patrick Kane and he's probably going to be the least stubborn about being moved simply because I think he does have no movement clause yeah all of them do yeah. Well. He has one. 
Taze has one. But if you can only move one, if you can only move one of the two, which one do you move? Do you move Kane or do you move Taze? You move Kane. Kane has the most m- most return potential. Really? Yes. As much as I like Taze. Taze is one of the best centers in the league. Uh, in the faceoff dot, uh, has he won a Selkie? Has he won a Selkie? No. I believe he has. I don't. He's been nominated for it. Uh, definitely one of the best two-way forwards in the game, whether he's won a Selkie or not. If you can't put him up there with Kopitar, Bergeron, O'Reilly, Taze, I mean. Yeah. I, I certainly don't have a problem putting him in that category. So how is he not more tradable than Patrick Kane? It's name recognition. It, it okay. really is. Okay. And it's fan engagement. It, Captain Sirius versus uh, a guy who's won the league MVP. The season he had last year. Which one of them is going to sell more jerseys? Oh, that's a tough one. Probably Kane, but. Probably Kane by a good 20% gap. Really? I, I see. I don't think it's that big, but okay. And they're. They're only a year apart in age. They've got the same exact dollar amounts on their contracts. Sounds like sounds like the other Parise. And uh, what's his name when they went to uh, uh, when they went to Minnesota? Zach and Suter. Yeah. And do they yeah. both? They both end. They both end at the same time. But I would I would still say you will get more for Patrick Kane. That's not saying he's more valuable at ice level, because I think that Jonathan Taze is probably Jonathan Taze is a great distributor, um, but he's had more ups and downs as far as his production. Than K than T than K uh, than Patrick Kane has. Patrick Kane has played thirty more games. Yep. That's it. Thirty more games. Well, I just I I don't think that you'd go wrong with trading either one of them. But yeah, I, I yeah, from a standpoint of wanting goals scored, I think yes, Kane would be the. The more obvious choice, and he's a right winger. And no, the Bruins aren't getting him because he's getting ten and a half million bucks. Yeah, no, there, there's <laughs> anyone who thinks that the Bruins could conceivably trade for him. Or I don't think they trade have for him. I don't think they have the capital. It would be it would be fun to see him playing oh. on a line. Here's your line: Bergeron, Marchand, and Patrick Kane. Like defensemen would just phone. Most defensemen would phone in the shift because they're going to get scored on. (laughs) Which would move, which would again move uh, pasta down to Krejci's line with DeBrusque on the left wing. If we sign him. If, although my guess is that if we were going to trade for Kane, they'd probably start with DeBrusque as a jumping off point. And no one would blame them. No, hell no. Uh, and then, yeah, you're digging into the prospect pool 
and you and you're not giving up like a Zach Sennishin alone. You're giving up like a Trent Frederick, uh, Jack Stanika. They're okay, gonna... <clears throat> here's a fun one for you. Yeah. Right now, today. Today, November first, two thousand twenty. Yes. Hold on. The New York Islanders have enough cap space. They could trade for Patrick Kane and not give up anything off their roster. Who? They could trade for the New York Islanders could trade for Patrick Islanders. Kane. Okay. I thought I heard Rangers for some reason. I'm like, why? And not give up anything off their roster. Really? They have, they're projected for um, 11. Uh, over eleven million eight hundred thousand in cap space. That's with twelve uh, forwards listed for their listed by uh, cap friendly, um, without Matthew Barzell signed. So there's a there's some concern there, and maybe he's the return. Yeah. Bye bye. Um, <laughs> and six defensemen and without like Ryan Pollock signed and. I can't imagine that he's going to get a huge, huge salary. My issue with my issue with Barzal is his own entries are absolutely horrendous and terrible, and he refuses to dump the puck in. He only knows one way, and that's fine. I'm I'm all for it if you you feel that you can get into any zone, you can enter it anyway. But during the playoffs, we saw it. He tried three times on a power play to enter the zone. Absolutely horrible. Couldn't get past the first line of defense. Not taking anything away from Matthew Barzal's talent. He's a very talented young man. But uh, trying something, repeatedly trying something and expecting a different effect, a, a different outcome is the true definition of insanity. And he just wouldn't try something different. Uh, but could you, Barry Trotz would lose his mind if. He suddenly had Patrick Kane on this team. <laughs> it, it's a complete game changer. The New York Islanders are good offensively, solid. That opens up space for the all four other players on the ice simply by him coming over the boards. You know he's going to get double coverage. You know that there's going to be someone on him at all times. You're not playing zone against Patrick Kane because he will eat you for breakfast and probably not manage to stop talking while he does it. They have two players that they need to concern. And yes, Matthew Barzal, obviously, but they also need to do something with Ryan Pulak, who I don't know if he's actually gone through arbitration. He's obviously, he's arbitration. I believe he's due, but assume that Barzal is the roster return. That gives you that gives you space to sign uh, to sign Barzal uh, to sign Pulak, and maybe you let you send someone else to the AHL or you move you move on from them in a separate smaller deal. Because yes, if you can add Patrick Kane to your roster, you do it. They have eleven. They have almost twelve million dollars in cap space. Holy cow! Yes, and. Because they're in a different conference, it's reasonably safe from your own fans to trade him. 
what trading him to Colorado wouldn't be a good idea. <laughs> it's probably not the best idea. I've heard worse, I think, at some point. But well, where else could you trade him that could be worse? I mean, theoretically, you could trade him to Detroit, where all of his goal scoring would be a waste. But oh, you know, assuming they had the space, trading him to the Calgary Flames would probably be a bad idea. Trading him to Colorado would be a horrible idea. You're trading to someone in in, in division. In division, and now your fan, now your fan base is going to have to see your future Hall of Famer playing in another team's jersey four times a year. Yeah, unless they go back to the old way, and then it's eight times a year. Uh, that would not work for Chicago fans. No, <laughs> nope. But Colorado. That being said, Colorado doesn't have the cap space to bring him in anyway. Colorado's current cap space is only like two and a half million. And they still need to, well, they don't have to sign Kamenev, or, but they've got everybody else inked to current deals, so it looks like they're pretty much set. Bringing him in, they, what would they have to give up? And they're going to... With two, with three seasons left for Kane... Assume it's Barzal, a first, and a second. That would be the Islanders, yeah. Yeah. I'm talking about if they were to ever trade him to Colorado. Not that it would Oh, happen. see, Colorado, you would have to break your you – would, you would literally have to break your roster in order to make it work. Yeah, it's going to take uh, either – they're going to want like a Burakovsky who's 25 or a JT Confer. Or, or both. Or both because money-wise – because uh, uh, Burkowski's at four point nine, uh, Comper is three and a half. Three and a half. That clears most of the space you'd need. Um, they're project, but they're still only projected currently to have under two million. So you're gonna have to do more than that, uh, which is why I said you're gonna have to break your roster to do it. Yeah, they, I don't understand why Colorado would be, but it's the name that always seems to come up. Um, I mean, you might be able to, uh, I don't think it's a good idea, but maybe you're sending Kadri back the other way, although he has no movement think, clause too. I don't think, um, Donskoy has Donskoy done enough to be a useful part of the return at 28. Donskoy, I'm not sure it's a useful, a great move, but no. And offensively, he's offensively, he's not going to work, but he's the, he he's a true two way forward. He's not he's not sulky worthy, but he's a true two way forward. He doesn't just play to score goals, get assists. I mean, he's he, he's a two hundred foot forward. They loved him in in San Jose before he was before he went to Colorado. I just I I don't know where he I. Yeah, the Islanders would be a very interesting landing spot for Kane if that were to happen, especially having the cap space that they have. I, I it hurts my brain to try and make that to move to make sense of moving around the number of players you'd need to for that to work. Yes. 
By the and, way, there yeah. are eight there are eight teams over the cap right now. Yes, uh, fully one quarter of the league is over the cap at this point, and not full roster signed. Yep. I mean, Vancouver is 83, 80, 83 million. They only had 40, 40 contracts. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I looked at Columbus and I was going to suggest them, but one, they don't really have the capital to give up. That's the, and that's the other thing. It, it's not just the cap space itself. It's do you have the cap? And that's why I don't think the Bruins could do it. No. I don't think the Bruins have the capital to give up, let alone the cap space. Mm. Yeah, are they at six and six point six or six point seven million? Sure. I mean, so you move player, and I just don't think the Bruins have what it, I don't think the Bruins have enough to bring a Patrick Kane to the team to the team. Unless you're going pure, pure um, assets, you know, prospects and picks for Chicago going back. I mean, the Blue Jackets do have the cap space to add Kane. And let's face it, Atkinson, Kane, uh, Boone Jenner nope. in front of Jones, Wierenski, Savard. One of those two. One of those two is heading back the other way. It, uh, terrifying. That's literally the, uh, terrifying. If the, if Columbus were to in if Columbus were in on this, one of the one of the players heading back to. Chicago would be would be Wierenski or there is no way there is no way that uh, Columbus gives up on those two. They I don't see rather- it. Ha- that's what I'm saying. I don't see it happening either. But that's uh, Chicago were, may have more to likely be- give up on uh, Alexandre Texier, Liam Foodie and uh, what was he? Jacob uh, Christensen. He was another. First or second round pick, if memory serves. You know what they could want is one nope, of their goaltenders. That that's interesting. That that would make it. That would make the deal work. You look at you look at you know Corpusallo and and Elvis obviously, but even Kivlen, even Kivlenix, uh, I don't even know if I'm saying it right, but. Not a not great stats when he I mean but he's it was his first six games in the NHL and he had a two nine five and an eight nine eight so I don't know if he's gonna do it they're gonna want probably Elvis but a goaltender nonetheless might actually be persuasive to Chicago. Because clearly they have, unless you firmly believe in Malcolm Subban or Colin Delia, I don't think Chicago has anybody else in the pipeline uh, that is NHL ready. Not to my knowledge, no. I mean, looking at their goaltending, yeah, they have uh, they have listed Colin Delia, Malcolm Subban. Their goaltending on the plus side, their goaltending is only going to cost them one point eight five million dollars. Yes, <laughs> that's 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 uh, putting a silver lining on that um, lead balloon. But Kevin Lockinen, 
last year in the AHL was a 303 goals against with a 909 save percentage. Time. And their other one is Matt Tompkins at 26 years of age and he had a 3-1-2 goals against and an 8.96 save percentage in the AHL last season. Yeah, I'm not really sold on there. So I think goaltending might be something that could persuade them if they went the Columbus route. But it's going to cost it's going to cost Columbus either Corvosalo or Elvis. I don't think Kivlanix is going to be enough. Probably not. But yes, I, I, I agree that they that a goaltender is going the other way. And I really can't see just the two the two defense top one of the top two defensemen leaving is absolutely out of the question. Yeah, Columbus won't make that. Yeah, Yarmo. Literally, I think that uh, Yarmo uh, Kikalainen would hang up the phone at that point. <laughs> yes, there would be dial tone on Stan Bowman's end. Hello, hello. No, no, no. I don't think you heard. Hello? <laughs> yeah, that's not going to work because I don't see him giving up on either one of those two. They're too young, too good. And too good together. They can both – they can play well apart. They can also play well together. Yeah. Um, speaking of apart and hopefully together, mm-hmm. uh, Tyler Sagan was scheduled to have – surgery on his shoulder um yeah they said he was going to be out uh, until like middle of january or something like that back when they first announced the surgery due to uh issues in the area his surgery has been pushed back again um and he's not going to it's still going to be a four-month timetable for recovery uh, we're at the beginning of November, so that pushes us, if it happens today or tomorrow, sometime into the second week of March, probably. Uh, depending on when they start the season, that could be like the first couple of weeks. <laughs> yes, <laughs> or it could be six weeks in if they actually start in that first week of January, which I would think at this point is um, something one would not want to hold their breath about. Uh, just a hunch. Yeah. Mm. Uh, but I don't like the chances for Dallas if they have to go a significant stretch of the regular season without Tyler Sagan. Uh, it, it's clear that he was in rough shape uh, in the playoffs. And I, I suspect that he started the playoffs with some sort of injury because dude didn't score. And whatever complaints you might have about him if he's not scoring there's a there's a very real physical reason it's not mental it's not effort it's because his shot is good enough to score from pretty much anywhere on the ice i, I love how this says could miss start of the season on the it says tau second surgery could miss they were already expecting him to miss the start of the season when the surgery was first announced so now it's a could miss. Yes. Uh, that's a tough one. That I, I I don't want to see him miss any time. I mean, as we discussed, you know, DeBrusque has more goals and the same number of games. Uh, but 
Kyler did win a Stanley Cup here. Yep. Like it or not, it, he's still part of Boston lore, for good or for bad, and there's both. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I don't wish, you know, being out and missing missing any time, I don't wish that on any player. I mean, so I hope he gets this done sooner rather than later, and I hope that they find some way to make it work. I mean, it, if you want to talk about surgeries and getting them done, it, back in March when we first started with pauses, um, a pitcher for the Boston Red Sox, Chris Sale, was actually able to get his Tommy John surgery so that he could start rehabilitating his arm. Knew he was going to miss this season, which wasn't much of a season, so that he could be ready for next year. So if they can find a way to make that work, they should be able to get him in and get his surgery done. Yeah, I, I, I have to wonder if he's not better off traveling elsewhere to get the surgery done, assuming it would be allowed, um, and getting it done and then heading back to Dallas or uh, you know wherever he makes his offseason home. Yeah. I'm thinking that he needs to get himself a, a, a second spot and see if he can't get it done there. Because, uh, I mean, leaving aside the recovery time, which is important, um, it's going to be highly uncomfortable, highly uncomfortable uh, to be running around with that, uh, what is it, torn labrum? Yep. The other interesting part of this article is the whole thing about what they what the league's going to do if they um if they the AHL start date and the NHL don't jibe with their start dates uh, are they going to expand rosters again like they did for the pretend offs? They almost have to based on the reason for caution. Um, and, you know, having that five or six extra players, I kind so of like wonder. The, the, the black, what did they call them? The the, the black aces for the, the playoffs. The black aces, but, thank you. Um, I, uh, I kind of wonder if they might not want to, for the purposes of the league, uh, league can maybe write into the uh, or make it a quick addendum to the collective bargaining agreement that allows, you know, three, maybe four extra contracts uh, per team during a time of pandemic. Okay. Uh, Just to give more flexibility because every team has a pipeline. Every team has a roster. Not everyone ready to play. Not everyone in the pipeline is ready to play in the NHL. No, no. Uh, and there are always free agents uh, who are who end up in Europe who probably could have been on an NHL roster, um, but due to roster size limits as well as total cap space, somehow end up um, somehow end up outside the NHL. Yeah. And having that those two or three extra players um, eligible to play in the NHL might might be worth it. I think they have to. 
I don't think there's a I don't think there's a choice. If if there's no place to send these players, then they have to do something with them, or let them go play. You can't not let them play and practice. I mean, they just it, it's like sitting them on a shelf. They're gonna rust away. They're going to they're gonna rust, and the odds of injury, or you know, going out Obviously. and contracting an illness higher. Uh, there's only one more thing that I have on my mind. Uh, Go for it. I don't know if you've got anything else, but I did want to bring up Travis Roy. Yeah. Travis, um, uh, this is uh, 45 years old, passed away. Uh, first 11 seconds of his of the first game of the season and he hit the boards the wrong way unfortunately fell paralyzed and never walked again uh, he he broke his fourth and fifth vertebrae Uh, it turned him he became a quadriplegic he did gain use of his right arm to a point so he controlled that's how he controlled his wheelchair but if you listen to the people the lives that he touched after his accident the the teammates that he had the year the year that he was paralyzed i mean his teammates the other four the other four people or four of the other players on his team chris jury uh i'm trying to remember all the names Chris Drury is the big name that comes to mind. He had four other players on his team that went on to long NHL careers. Mm -hmm. And they all talk about how impactful he was, not in his injury, but how inspirational he was. Kevin Shattenkirk played it at Boston University. And he talks about walking the hallways and, and, and having met Travis Roy and just the impact that he has on the school and the hockey program and everybody as a whole. Uh, after Jury won the cup with the Avalanche in 2001, he brought it back to Boston so that Travis Roy could see and touch the Stanley Cup. Uh, he spent 25 years in in that chair, and in those 25 years, he motivational speaking and it, it, the things that come on, the, the things that people say about him, and not a assistant manager for the general for the New York Rangers jury not a day goes by that I don't think of him his determination was evident shortly after his accident Keith Van Orden watch, recall watching him graduate in four years without being able to pick up a highlighter or take notes in class that's not easy <laughs> I mean I I can't imagine the difficulty of trying to uh, of taking college level courses without the ability to actually take notes or highlight anything. And his he he started the found he started the the Travis Roy Foundation. Obviously, uh, he's trying to find uh, ways to cure paralysis, uh, get people up and out of the chairs. Uh, and what gets me is this last paragraph. It's a couple of sentences. 
sometimes in, and it's a quote sometimes in life you choose your challenges other times the challenges choose you and it's what you do in the face of those challenges that defines who you are and what you'll become it's a quote from Travis Roy I mean here's a kid who he dealt with a, a life-altering injury and he's he said himself that he before he got back up on his feet per se uh, he did spend some time and he was in he was depressed but once he got past that and he got over and and he realized how powerful his message could be to others that's when what he does became more fulfilling than just playing hockey uh yeah there's an obituary for him in the press herald um uh dated today november 1st uh mentions uh his book uh that he co-authored uh that covers his life story it's called 11 seconds um his co-author was uh e.m smith um it's i remember watching the game um i didn't watch a lot of college hockey at that point uh but for some reason i had turned on the game that day and it was one of those moments that kind of defines your life just to watch you knew what you were doing when something like that happens and where you were um, and things happen either before or after that event. I'm amazed at just the raw energy he was able to project in going about advocating for more spinal, uh, spinal research or spinal injury research um, because he was everywhere for quite a few years. You couldn't go a month with barely with minimal exposure to hockey or minimal exposure to the news without hearing his name. Um, when uh, national brain injury month comes along, um, his name was everywhere. Yeah. Uh, just, his ability to get out, draw attention and to do it with dignity. A lot of charities play for pity, but as much as I certainly wouldn't have wanted to bend in that chair, I couldn't pity him. And he, he didn't want anybody to. He didn't want anyone's pity, and he didn't need it. He was still doing something he found very, very important and fulfilling on his terms, and that's something that not a lot of people have in their lives. The other three names that I I said there were four who went on. It was Chris Drury, Mike Greer, Jay Pandolfo, and Sean Bates. Okay. So we all know who Jay Pandolfo is because he's yep. still with the Bruins organization, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. And I believe Sean Bates played for the Bruins for a short period of time. He did. I might be wrong. I believe so. I, but I thought he was in Boston for a year or two. 
I'd have to look it up to be certain, but yes, he played in Boston. I, I mean, saying re- saying rest in peace just doesn't seem to cover it, but uh, thank you maybe might be more appropriate. Three seasons or four seasons actually, uh, about a hundred games for Sean Bates in Boston. There you go. Uh, actually drafted by the Bruins, one hundred and third and ninety three. And yeah. that the thing is, Travis always had that smile whenever you saw the, like the picture here at the, the New York Times article is what I'm looking at. But any picture I ever saw of him, he was always he always had that smile on his face. But, yeah, that, as you were going to say, that's pretty much it for the week. Um, Yeah, that is where we're going to have to leave you. Um, Ladies and gentlemen, as always, thank you for listening. Please share the show with your friends, your family, your coworkers. Uh, It's that time of year. Uh, If you can be in the same place as your friends and family, don't take it for granted. Uh, If you can't, uh, make sure you reach out to them by phone, by text, by video. Uh, We're entering one of the hardest times of the year in a normal year. don't lose this anyone is you don't anything have to. This is anything but normal. Yeah, don't lose anyone you don't have to. Uh, you you don't want to carry that. And take care. Uh, we'll be back next week. <laughs>